left, trailing three, good protect, pass the right cross, oh, touchdown, Tampa Bay, oh, Jay Howard, fire them, and it's what a play. We are Bucks Nation, SB Nation's team blog for your Super Bowl 55 champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Come fan with us at BucksNation.com. Season 3, Episode 3 of the Bucks Nation Flagship Podcast kicks off now. Welcome into Block 1 of the Bucks Nation Flagship Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Curtis. Find me on Twitter at JCBucksNation and follow the show at BucksNationPod. And do not forget all of our written works posted at BucksNation.com. My co-host today is Bucks Nation's very own Chris Schoenherr. You can find him on Twitter at CynicalBucksFan. Say hi, Chris. Hey there, Jason. Hey, Bucks Nation. Let's get this shit started, man. We're going to go ahead and start off with Peter Schrager's NFL mock draft. It's causing quite the stir on Twitter lately, especially on Bucks Twitter. He's usually fairly deep-seated with the GMs across the NFL. He's known as an NFL insider, so he must be getting tipped off somehow based on the picks that he's been seeing in the trends, uh, especially with the trades. So let's go ahead and talk about some of those trades and the maneuvers that have happened uh, recently. There have been some picks and some trades uh, for, for draft picks. And if you haven't been paying attention, here's some of those key moves. San Francisco traded up for the third overall pick. Got that from uh, Miami Dolphins via Houston. Miami moved to number six from Philly. Philly moved down to number 12 from Miami via San Francisco and New York. The New York Jets moved back into the first round at number 23 from Seattle. Jacksonville picks up an additional pick at number 25 from the L.A. Rams. Two teams will unfortunately forfeit draft picks this year. So this is just notable things because it does obviously impact how things are going to kind of formulate out. So New England, they forfeit their third round pick uh, because they were filming the Bengals sideline in 2019. Everybody's aware of that. And the Vikings forfeit their seventh round pick because of a salary cap violation. So definitely impacts there, Chris. This is kind of interesting the way that I I read through uh, Schrager's mock draft and uh, he's starting off pretty strong. What are your initial thoughts on, on Schrager's mock draft here? So looking at Schrager's mock, I think the first three picks are pretty set in stone. I mean, we got Trevor Lawrence and, you know, we got Zach Wilson going and Mac Jones is being, you know, said that they're going to take him in San Francisco. I don't necessarily think that he's the third best quarterback, but Hey, you know, if they want him, they want him. I think the big one here is the, uh, the pick at number four by the new England Patriots. It's taking Justin Fields out of Ohio state. And, and that's a huge one. I think that Justin Fields is a fantastic quarterback. If I were the Niners, I would have taken him personally. Um, but, you know, the Patriots moving up and taking their guy and Bill Belichick just reloading to start going to Super Bowls again. You know, one of the more interesting picks was, was Trey Lance. And uh, we actually had uh, on one of our episodes, we were talking behind enemy lines with the Atlanta Falcons. We had Adnan Ikic from um, – the Falcoholics, and he was actually saying that they are saying a, seeing a lot in Trey Lance in Atlanta. So that's interesting, uh, that number four pick, because Atlanta is very interested in Trey Lance. So that'll be interesting. And it's not too off the cuff to go quarterback, 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 right? I mean, I don't think we've seen four quarterbacks for a, in a while. I don't think we've no, seen that before, have I we? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah, I mean, it's been defensive lineman or an offensive lineman at two, three, four. I mean, usually number one pick. Yeah. I mean, it kind of gets defaulted to a, to a quarterback here. You're listening to the Bucks nation flagship podcast. We're talking Peter Schrager of good morning football and from NFL on Fox. He just came out with his NFL mock draft. It's his very first mock draft heading into the 2021 season. And we're talking about some of the key notable things that he's uh, put out there. Quarterback one through four, we were just talking about it, Chris. You just made some notes to, um, to Justin Fields. Jamar Chase comes in at number five to the Bengals. He's the very first skill position outside of a quarterback that gets picked up. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that they could definitely use some skill players. I, I don't know if people are forgetting about T. Higgins, though. I mean, that guy's an absolute monster. And, you mm-hmm. know, he was coming in. He only has one year under his belt, and he played with, you know, of course, Joe Burrow. I, I you know... I look at that and I think they just really need 
an offensive line. I mean, looking at what happened to Joe Burrow, his protection was bad all year, and ultimately it cost him the entire season. So going at five with all these tackles on the board, you know, we still got Sewell out of Oregon and, and you know, guys like that. I, I don't see why they wouldn't go that direction. But, hey, if they want to take a skill guy, Jamar Chase is the guy that they should T. Take. Higgins was an absolute beast in fantasy football last year, and he was a sleeper among sleepers. I thought that was an amazing uh, wide receiver. That wide receiver class coming out in the 2020 season was absolutely stellar. Imagine what this 2021 class is going to do with Jamar Chase and you've got Devontae Smith, as well as many others. One other pick, I want to move on here to the next pick. This one, I have seen fly across just about every social media, uh, from Twitter uh, to Facebook, Instagram. I, I've been seeing this talk about Kyle Pitts. Now, I am a Florida fan. I am a Gator fan through and through. But I kind of have to agree with the Lockdown Cardinals podcast. They came out and they were saying this is a waste of a very good pick at number seven. Kyle Pitts tight end from Florida goes down in Peter Schrager's NFL mock draft. What did you do? You believe more on the Lockdown Cardinals or do you think uh, Schrager's got something going here? So I don't know. I think Schrager's definitely got something. I think Kyle Pitts is one of the best tight end prospects that we've seen in a long time. He's a like it's like having a, another wide receiver hanging out there, but he can also block, you know, I think he's potentially a generational tight end as a lot of people have been talking about. So I don't think they could go wrong with that pick, but I do think they have, have bigger needs on the defensive side of the ball. You know, their, their cornerback room isn't as bolstered up as I don't, as I think they'd want it to be. And, and there are some really big names on the board still that they could take at seven if they decided to, to do that trade or, you know, stay back and, and pick somebody down there. I think I'm going to sit right in the middle there. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple of guys coming out of Alabama, right? Uh, national champs. And we've got Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith coming in at number 12 and number 16, respectively. Jalen Waddle, again, a very uh, big prospect coming out of Alabama wide receiver. He's coming. He, Traeger has him picked at number 12 by Philadelphia and the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, wide receiver out of Alabama, gets picked up at number 16 by Detroit. And again, these wide receiver classes is absolutely phenomenal. But I, it's interesting that, that he has Devontae Smith lower than Jamar Chase. And, you know, when I look at that, I, I really think it's because of the size issue there. Devonta Smith is, is lightning speed. I mean, this guy obviously picked up all those yards because he was just running past safeties. And in the NFL, that's you know less likely to happen. I mean, we do have, you know, looking at Tyree Kill, seeing how his speed affects the game. But somebody like, like Chase is just an all-around receiver. He's physical. He has fantastic hands. And he's just as athletic as these other big guys in the NFL. So I think that his size is something that they're looking at as why he'd be going higher. Well, Burrow coming back off of a, a gruesome injury last year, and obviously he's got something to prove to himself because he wasn't able to finish off last season. Uh, having Jamar Chase, obviously, but you're right, T. Higgins. I mean, that's a, and now that AJ Green's gone, right? He's he's left mm -hmm. Cincinnati, so now it's the T. Higgins show. And now, yeah, if you got someone like Jamar Chase, I think that's a good one for Joe Burrow to play off of. But Devontae Smith with uh, Jared Goff in Detroit, I, I mean. That sounds like a pretty good match made in heaven. I, I I do have to kind of agree with that. Najee Harris, you have to remember his name. So say it correctly. He has stated that. <laughs> I don't know if you saw him <laughs> on his pro day, but he's like, it's Najee. I don't know where this Najee is coming from. So it's Najee Harris running back from Alabama goes number 18 to Miami. Miami's they have not been hitting it with their running backs, man. I don't know why but they keep trying. It's like, just keep trying and trying. It's like beating a dead horse. But if they're going to beat that dead horse, they better beat it with, with Harris. I mean, this guy is an absolute, I think he's a home run of a pick. You know, a lot of people had him sliding down to 32, going to the Bucks, and, and I would have been just as happy with that pick, but they don't really have anyone at running back right now. I mean, sure. They're, they're bringing back, you know, Lynn Bowden from last year and, and who else do they have Patrick Layard or something like that. And, and, you know, that's, fine and dandy, but I think having a guy like Najee Harris would be absolutely lights out for them, you know, especially trying to get Tua into the fold of the NFL as well. You know what's phenomenal, though? Travis Etienne 
No, everybody's forgetting about this. I don't know why. All of a sudden, Najee Harris is the cream of the crop there. And Travis Etienne, who was ranked uh, higher than Najee Harris, it drops out of the first round altogether in Trigg's um, uh, mock draft here. I, I don't know what to think of that. But for Najee Harris to be picked up at 18 and then Etienne not even finding his way. Am I missing something? Is there some kind of criminal background or something that's been exposed on this kid? <laughs> what, what happened here? I think it's just Shrigs. Uh, I think it's his draft, to be honest. You know, looking at this draft, there are some very interesting picks that he's, that he's chosen here. I don't think in real life Etienne falls out of the first round. There, there's nothing that I've heard that would indicate yeah. that he would do that. You know, I, he's, he's so skillful. He's so good at catching the ball. He's, he's so electric. And, and that's somebody that you don't usually want to let slide out of the first. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to get into uh, one of the more notable picks that obviously is creating a stir uh, with the Buccaneers. But I, 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 yeah, I don't see, you know, Travis Etienne being passed up by Miami either. I think Miami would pick him up easily, especially as a pass catching running back. Uh, but either way, at number 32, the Buccaneers would not pass up either one of those, Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. They don't have a need there. They don't have a need at running back. And I think everyone keeps thinking, well, I don't know. Where are they going to do? What are they going to Now we have Fournette back. Okay, so we got our pass catching back, which everybody was freaked out about for a little while. So Leonard Fournette is back as a Buccaneer for at least one more year. Now, I'm a huge Ronald Jones fan, so I thought that obviously he was going to be the bell cow like he proved he could be last year. And then I thought Keyshawn Vaughn was definitely going to step up as the number two. Now, obviously, he's going to have to play that number three, fully expecting LaShawn McCoy not to return. But Peter Schrager has a much different opinion as to where the Buccaneers are going to land at number 32. And who is that with there, Chris? That is Davis Mills, quarterback out of Stanford. Scratching my my head like crazy. Like, seriously? What? Yeah. Very, uh, very strange pick here. Um, To be honest with you, I don't understand it. Uh, He really didn't show enough for me in college. I mean, the guy has less than 500 throws in college. He had 18 touchdowns and eight interceptions in 13 games, which is all the games that he played in. And there's not enough touchdown production. There's too many interceptions and, and, for that, I don't see him as being a first-round pick. I think his pro day really sort of uh, like catapulted him into this sort of second, first, you know, end of the first round type of thing because he did, you know, a lot of guys are sitting there saying that his pro day was fantastic. He ran a four, five, eight unofficial 40, and people are looking at like he's super athletic, but he's not a very on-the-field athletic kind of guy. He's you know, he scrambles when he can and gets a, gets yards, but he's not an athletic kind of guy like like we're seeing now the NFL moving towards. I actually see a video here uh, and I'm at on NFL.com and I actually I'm looking at his prospect grade and and I see that Peter Schrager explains why this could happen. I wish I saw that before we recorded here, but uh, I'm going to watch that. His prospect grade is six point one four. And I believe that's out of ten. And with a, a subline that says good backup who could become starter. So obviously the Bucks do not need to go after primo starters, but could they pick up some primo backup players? Bruce Arian said it himself. He wants a young quarterback. So he wants a quarterback out of this draft. Potentially. I just don't know if you have to go with the number with the first round. I mean, Davis Mills could easily be a second or third round pick. I mean, that's your reach. Right. I, I think that's where I think that's where we're struggling. Right. That's that's probably mm-hmm. where we're struggling. I mean, the fact is that he wasn't even a starter in his junior year. He he took over for injured K.J. Costello in 2019. So he started six uh, of the eight games played. He was 158 of 241. Not bad stats. Right. He threw for over 2000 yards that year. Uh, compared to his 2020 season where he threw only 1,500 yards, where he was the starter. He was out a couple games because of COVID-19. He missed the season opener, and I believe probably a couple others. But we could see some of his stat line here. So in 2019, he actually seemed to shine a little bit more than 2020. So he was 158 of 241, threw for close to 2,000 yards. He threw 11 touchdowns. 
and only five interceptions in 2019. 2020, he was 129 of 195. So significant, you know, drop in how many passes he was throwing. I uh, did increase his completion percentage, but it was only 1500 yards, mm-hmm. seven touchdowns, three interceptions. He, he did seem to use his legs a little bit more. Uh, had three rushing touchdowns compared to, to none in 2019. So that's the stats. That's to lay it out. That's for all you Bucks Nation to kind of figure out and put, you know, base your own opinion on it. I could tell you, I think mine and Chris's opinion is uh, not favorable on Peter Shager's, uh, Peter Shager's uh, direction there. Do you agree? <laughs> oh, one million percent. I do not think this guy should be a first rounder. I do not think the Bucks should take him that high. And, you know, I, he's just not, doesn't have the experience or the tape beneath him to really prove that he should be in the first And round. I think with Travis Etienne still being out there, they wouldn't pass him up. I mean, even with, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, Leonard Fournette. Well, and Fournette's only there for a year, right? I mean, they need someone mm-hmm. the year after. And maybe, maybe Vaughn is not the guy to sit in number three yet, right? He's still a pretty young guy. So, you know, who knows how that's all going to shake up. Well, hey, Chris, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. But up next, we're going to go ahead and kick off block two, breaking down the impacts of the new 17 game season that the NFL is about to launch that was just approved by the league owners back in March. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome into block two of the Bucks Nation flagship podcast. I'm Chris Schoenherr. You can find me on Twitter at CynicalBucksFan. I'm here alongside Jason Curtis at JCBucksNation, and you can find the show at BucksNationPod. In this segment, we'll be touching on the 17-game season that was just approved by the NFL owners and what the impacts are. You know, we're looking at this and we're taking a look and seeing that all of this was agreed upon in the CBA that was made prior to the 2020 season. You know, a few key takeaways are that the NFC teams will be starting off in 2020 playing away against their AFC opponents who will be playing at home. And that's going to be rotating every year. So in 2021, the AFC teams will be heading over to the NFC opponent stadiums. This doesn't remove any games from the season. You know, we're still keeping it 20 total games, but we are taking out a preseason game, which I know a lot of fans are pretty happy about. <laughs> I was going to say, are, are they happy about it or are they going to miss it? It's a, you know what? I used to go to preseason games with the Bucks, and I would always go to the last one because I don't know schedules or something. And I'm like, where are the starters? Are they even on the field? Like, where are they? And I'm like sitting there in a stadium of about, I don't know, a hundred people. I'm not kidding, man. It was sad. I mean, and I'm like, I will never come to a final preseason game. And I think because <laughs> I think it was because there was only, there's only two home and two away during the preseason. That was what, that's what it was. And so I'm like, well, I want to go to a home game before the regular season starts. Why not? Right. It's cheap tickets. I I, I will not miss it at all. <laughs> it's like watching a high school game. <laughs> yeah. A really bad high school game, I guess, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I mean, you don't know who the players are. They're not making dynamic plays. I mean, the, the, the coaches are making it more strategic during that time. So a lot of the players in the NFL are causing a pretty big uproar about this. And there's only a few of them that probably don't understand all the details behind this. So I want to get into some of the details behind this, Chris. It did require, as per the CBA, it did require at least one media rights deal. And that means that the players get a percentage of the media rights. And they did, in fact, get that additional media rights deal that goes to the players. So that is huge. When you look at this, this is not a win-lose situation. It's not like the the NFL is banking on all this and the players don't get diddly shit. Players are getting a good chunk of change. The other thing, uh, the other notable thing about this is, is that the NFL themselves, Roger Goodell and his staff, they were able to justify because they did some pretty extensive research into that last preseason game. And they actually realized there were more injuries in that last preseason game than in the last game of the regular season. So it was an easy justification for them. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, you have a bunch of guys who don't have as much experience, you know, playing at the NFL level. These are a lot of guys that are just trying to make a team and they play loose and hard and they're, they're looking to make an impact. And then they go and, you know, jump at somebody's leg. 
And, and things like that really do lead to a lot of injuries. You know, playing under control in a regular season game like that 17th game will probably lead to a lot less injuries in my you know, It will impact some of the offseason stuff they did say. Um, and it, I do feel like it will impact how the coaches are able to evaluate. Uh, you know, the, the, the one key player that stands out for me, and I, and I learned about this on Hard Knocks last year, was Austin Eckler from uh, the L.A. Chargers. And they're like, you know what? If he did not play in that last preseason game and they got to see what he could do, he would not have made that team. And the coach said that. And if you guys remember, if you watched Hard Knocks and you saw that uh, saw that episode, he was talking about Eckler and he made it on the team because he got that additional evaluation, that game time evaluation during the preseason. What are your thoughts on that, though? Looking at that, look, Victor Cruz was in the same boat. You know, this was some no-name guy that in a fourth preseason game absolutely went nuts. And, and he made the roster and became a big star because of that. And I think, you know, we're still going to have the ability to see these guys in, in preseason games one through three. They're not going to get no snaps, especially now that the, the, the teams are going to have to adjust to that. If they want to see, you know, some end-of-the-roster kind of guy, they can put him in another one of these games. So I don't think these opportunities are going to dry up. Um, you know, it, it's something that these guys need for an opportunity to give themselves a name. And, and I think that'll still be there. And now we don't have to watch this awful, terrible product four times. You're here. listening to the Bucks Nation flagship podcast. I'm Jason Curtis sitting alongside Chris Schoenherr. You can message the show on Twitter at Bucks Nation pod. We are talking about the 17 game extension, the 17 game regular season that is now in effect officially, obviously for indefinite, right? So it's permanently, it's going to be 17 games. And we're talking about the impacts that this is driving. So we just listed some of the uh, details behind it, how it all plays out, how it shakes up. There was some impact, some downstream impact in regards to this. So the NFL said that the enhanced season will guarantee that starting in 2022, so next season, each team will be able to play an international game at least once every eight seasons. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And they're going to expand it beyond the UK where you have seen them. Uh, play uh, mostly out of London. Uh, I think we did one game out of Mexico, but now they're looking at South America. They're looking at uh, additional countries in Europe. I heard Germany is on the uh, table uh, as well as Canada. Chris, help me, help me decipher this out. How does the 17 game help the internationalization of the NFL? I think it's just more volume. You have more games, you have more opportunities to send those games somewhere else. You know, and I think that there are so many people in, in these other countries that love the NFL and watch the NFL. You know, I see people all over Twitter from Germany, like you were saying, you know, guys from Canada, Mexico, and, and they love the game and they want access to these games. So, you know, I think that extra game will give them the opportunity to, to send them out there in these international places and get some uh, international fans, the, the teams they want to see. Two seasons ago, the Bucks played the Panthers, I believe, in London. Real and- ugly game. So I, I, I've been a season ticket holder and I was, that was a home game for the Bucks, and uh, we did not have to pay for that game, but you know, because then it became an NFL game. So the NFL held the tickets for those games because it was outside of Raymond James uh, very much like a playoff game or, or other. And you know, it's, you get discounts and you get package offers and stuff like that, but it really hurts the fans to, to play outside the country it gains more fans. I, I have to agree that there are fans in the other countries and, and all that stuff. But I mean, this is your home team, right? I mean, you are a true blue fan. And so it does kind of impact you when your team's like going across the pond and not able to, uh, you know, play at home and all that stuff. So I remember I was, I was like, eh, I don't know. Right. And I think it was a nine o'clock in the morning game. So I had to wake up mm-hmm. really early. So it's like, I have to wake up early. You know, and I don't drink at nine o'clock in the morning. I at least wait till <laughs> noon. OK, <laughs> so like I'm not watching the game, drinking a beer. I'm drinking coffee instead. I'll tell you, honestly, Chris, we could probably do a whole episode just on the international expansion of the NFL. I think we should do that. We should absolutely do that sometime in this off season, maybe during training camp. We'll do something about the internationalization of the NFL. How about that? Hey, let's do it. I could talk about it all day, too. There were players that were making a lot of comments like Alvin Kamara said on Twitter, this is dumb as hell. Packers safety Adrian Amos tweeted, we really let this happen? I think that's that's shocking to hear that because this is their union. 
They're the ones that agreed on this extension. Yes, the owners initially proposed it to the CBA. CBA said, okay, as long as you make this happen with the right deal, we can make 17 games happen. Oh, and by the way, it doesn't mean an additional game for the whole season. It just means you can put an extra regular season game. So yeah, that preseason game, it's worthless. Let's get rid of it, right? So they all agreed on that. And to me, I think it's perfectly fine. I could see how the players are like, well, because they're spoiled, right? They're spoiled. They they don't, these especially these veteran players like an Alvin Kamara, don't have to play in that last preseason game. They also typically don't play in the very last game as well because they've made a, they have a seed in the playoffs. So now they're playing an extra game that they otherwise would not have played. And they're probably having a little bit of a problem with it, right? But if you consider it's still a win-win-win situation for everyone. There's more money in the owner's pockets, in the players, and in the league. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, what are we estimating it? So the NFL estimated one hundred and fifty million dollars in additional re- annual revenue. That's pretty big. Yeah, it's big for everybody. The piece of the pie for everyone. Forty eight point five percent of the shareable revenue are going to the players for distribution. That's a pretty big chunk of change. That's almost 50. That's nearly 50 percent of shareable re- shareable revenue. Later on, I, I've, got, I've got an I don't give a buck uh, in regards to this, because I, honestly, I don't, I don't know if if they need to be making as loud of noise. And maybe after they got all the facts, I've noticed that some of that noise has kind of been squelched a little bit. And I wonder if that's the, the Players Association maybe going out to them saying, hey, guys, you know, we made this a win, win, win situation. This is something we fought for. Yes, the owners wanted it, too. It was a win, win across the board. So here, you know, you get an extra paycheck. Oh, and you're getting paid for 36 weeks and not for 17 weeks, by the way. That was also another st- uh, uh, stipulation in that CBA. I was just going to say, I, I get some of their complaints. I mean, it, they're throwing their bodies out there. It's a, it's a tough physical game. I think, you know, maybe they could have done something with an additional bye week. Uh, but, you know, I, I do have to agree with a lot of your points as well. I mean, they are making all this money and now they're getting even more of it just to play an extra game. You know, so I, I, I can see it from both sides, but I think that you're right that it is a win 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 for everyone. And it's always been a fight for 10, fight to 10 anyway. So a team that's 10 and 7 can, can get a playoff spot, especially with the expansion of the playoff spots uh, being, you know, thrown out there. I don't know. It's always been a fight for 10 anyway. It's an additional game. All it is really is it's an extra game for the fans to enjoy. Yes, the players have to play in it but they get paid and compensated for it. So I kind of feel like, you know, you are getting paid for it. You're not, you're not just being thrown out into the wolves, but let's talk about some of those week 17 games there. There are some notable games here. I want to go ahead and address packs at chiefs. Uh, the saints are playing the Titans Seahawks at the Steelers. I thought this one was interesting. I'd like to see this one. Cowboys at the Patriots week 17. And, uh, and of course, your Buccaneers are playing in Indianapolis against the Colts. The last time we played the Colts was uh, here at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, I believe it was two seasons ago. Yes. So Indianapolis came into town. The 17 game extension, I think is good. I'm a fan of it from as a fan. I even think as you know, as an analyst, as someone that's that follows the Buccaneers, I think it's going to be good for them. Uh, plus, they made the games a little bit in- interesting. Right. I mean, we get to uh, so we're playing Carson Wentz in week 17. You know, it's going to be Tom Brady and Carson Wentz in week 17. So that'll be uh, that'll be pretty interesting. Now, if they're both playing right, I mean, if they're they both made it into the playoffs, then neither is probably going to be playing that game. Right. Or at least we also have to see which uh, Carson Wentz is coming to Indianapolis. Yeah, (laughs) that'll be an interesting that's that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. (laughs) But in the meantime, we're going to go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we're wrapping up the show with I don't give a buck. And we're talking new rule proposals coming across the league. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Bucks Nation flagship podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Bucks Nation. It's block three, so you know what that means. Here we go. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a. I don't give a. I don't give a fuck. Chris, I don't give a buck 
about all the noise that the players are making about having an extra regular season game. I mean, you make more money. You're making more money. They, the, the CBA was done. The Players Association fought for that additional media rights deal. You guys got it. You're getting an extra 48% of that rev share distribution. It's, it's, it's a few tens of thousands or something like that in each player's pocket to play the extra game. Um, you're, you're also you know, getting paid over 36 games versus just the 36 weeks versus 17. So you're getting a steady paycheck. And if you're in the playoffs, it likely won't even matter anyway, right? Because that last game is typically not played by the starters. And you got a lot of the backups that are going to be playing in that game anyway. So, I mean, it's still the last game, right? So, so consider that, right? The preseason game, there were a lot of injuries. So that helps reduce the injuries. Yes, there's a little bit of an impact when it comes to evaluating young rookie uh, talent or any uh, undrafted free agents or others that are trying to make the team. Uh, but the fact is, is that this is just a bunch of spoiled veterans that are making noise and you're getting paid for it. It's really, I don't believe it's that big of a deal. I think it's great. It's a win-win with win-win-win situation for all, right? The owners, the league, and for the players. So, Chris, I don't give a buck about all the noise the players are making about having an extra regular season game. I don't give a fuck. 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 Yeah, and I think I'm going to have to agree with a lot of your points. I mean, the whole, they are getting paid more. They probably, if they're a playoff team, aren't going to be playing that week anyway. You know, and, and selfishly as a fan, shoot, I would absolutely love to have an extra game on the slate. And, you know, if they want to make noise about it, they can make noise, but it's in their contract, they're going to have to do it. But, you know, Jason, I don't give a fuck about what position the Buccaneers are taking in the first round of this NFL draft. And, you know, this team is already loaded with all kinds of talent. They should be looking to take the best player available and should not be worrying about reaching on a defensive lineman or a quarterback like we saw with Schrager's mind. You know, I think all of the, the first round prospect QBs should be off the board in the first five picks. Even the second and third round talent guys will probably be off the board somewhere 10 to 20, 20 to 30. You know, so I don't see as, as anyone really falling to 32 that, that could be a starter going forward or even after Brady leaves. You know, and, and defensive line, this class is so thin, they're all going to get taken early anyway. I don't want to reach on somebody. And some mock drafts have the Bucks taking a receiver or an offensive lineman. And these are all some good options that should be on the table. I wouldn't prefer necessarily to go with a wide receiver in the first because of who they have now. But I wouldn't be too upset about it either. You could always load up that room and, and just give some more weapons for Brady. And that, Jason, is why I don't give a buck about what position the Bucks are going to take in the first round of the NFL draft. I don't give a fuck. 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 Yeah, I mean, Bruce Aarons and Jason Lydon both said that they get to take the long view of this NFL draft for... Bruce Hillings, for the first time in his career, he's one of the oldest coaches in the league, and he said the first time he doesn't go into a draft with an absolute need. Now, Jason Light has also said that uh, he's not going to, you know, not guarantee that he can find a potential starter coming out of this draft. That's absolutely a potential, just not as likely because that's not what they're after. They're after young, fast, right? So Bruce Aarons said, I need speed, and they want speed on defense. So actually, based on Arian's comments, I actually think that they might go after someone in the on the defense, actually, at number 32. So but he's also said, I need a, I need a young quarterback as well. You know, you need someone to kind of foster underneath, at least have one to two years, because that's all you have left with Tom Brady. You've got two solid years left with Tom Brady. You want to put someone that's that you can nurture and grow in the system under Tom Brady and putting them underneath someone like Tom Brady. You're going to want someone that has equal skills. And that's why I don't give a buck if Davis Mills is their selection at number 32. Because I think Lightnerians saw something that I think all the rest of the fans and analysts haven't seen in Davis Mills. Possibly very Brady-esque in the way that he handles himself. I haven't watched much film. I believe you've watched a little bit of film um, on Davis Mills. And I think it's just really interesting to how light and Arians may have seen something. Now, Schrager would not make a pick like this, put himself out. It's like opening up your, you know, pulling down your pants in front of the high school prom and saying, hey, 
I know what I'm talking about, guys. The, the guy is one of the most notable NFL insiders in, you know, in the industry today, right? You're not going to come out and say something if you don't have facts to back it up. And like I said earlier, there is a video. I didn't even read it or I didn't see it before this recording, but he does go on to explain why he made that pick. And it seems to be the most interesting pick that a lot of people, especially Bucks Twitter, is really hooting and holler about. I want you all to remember something. Tom Brady was selected 199 overall back in 2000. Something, somewhere, somehow, someone saw something in him, right? Belichick and them saw something in Tom Brady back in the day that brought him to New England. And who are we to put any shadow of a doubt in Jason Light and Bruce Arians' selections if that's the case, right? They haven't let us down yet. They've made some pretty off-the-wall picks, and what did we do? We blasted them out when they when they brought Antonio Brown. Always oh, a cancer. This is the worst thing you could have ever done. And what did he do? He helped us win a freaking Super Bowl. He was one of one of uh, what was it? One of four touchdowns in the Super Bowl. So you know what? The coaches, I think, know what they're doing. You got to give them credit. That's why I don't give a buck if Davis Mills is the selection at number thirty-two. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a. I don't give a. I don't give a fuck. So I got a few things to say about this one. So I think Davis Mills is a fine prospect, a good guy that could get some coaching and really start to develop his game from where he is. I mean, he's coming from Stanford. They they run sort of a, I guess, more of a quicker game than I guess the program looks like, but more pro than other, you know, spread offenses that we see, you know, like Baker Mayfield coming out of a big spread offense and having all those numbers. But, you know, he's he's a guy that if, if Jason Light and Bruce Arians decide to pick, I mean, they get paid all kinds of money to make these decisions, and everybody else out there is just taking a look at the film and seeing what they see. But if those guys really sit down and see something that you know, is they need to, to back up Brady and, and get that all going, then by all means, they, they should go ahead and, and go for it. But, you know, speaking about Brady and being the 199 overall pick is not a lot of Brady's are running around this world. Um, so if they can try to find somebody that looks like that, they, they think he's anywhere near that caliber, by all means, go ahead and, and take a claim on that. But speaking about Brady as well, I'm going to go into my... I don't give a buck about re-signing Antonio Brown. You know, I think last time that we were on the podcast, you said something similar, if not, you know, the same thing. But I'm just going to double down on it because I really don't give a buck if they re-sign him. With all of the news circulating that his deal's not imminent due to the amount of money that he's asking for, I just don't see the need to splurge on a third receiver that you really don't need. I did write about this, and and I have a lot of people disagreeing with it, but this team already has two of the best receivers in the NFL in Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and they have some absolutely fantastic depth with Scotty Miller, the speedster, and Tyler Johnson, who really started to come along in the the playoff run there. He had that home of that unbelievable catch against the Saints in the divisional round, and, you know, he drew the pass interference against the, uh, the Packers to really send that one you know, to the to the end of the game there. And I think those guys are, are absolutely fine in the third slot, third or fourth slot. And we just really don't need a guy like Antonio Brown. He has so much drama coming with him. There's that entire history that he comes with. He's got that court case coming up. You know, even with the injuries that have happened at wide receiver for the Bucks, they don't need to go out and spend mid tier money on a third receiver with the history of all these problems. And I just don't see that as being a great way to spend, you know, any cap they have left. And that Jason is why I don't give a buck about re-signing in 20 years. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a, I don't give a, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I said it on the last show on episode two, uh, is Antonio Brown really does not need to come back. There's no desperate need for the Bucks to pull him back. If they needed wide receiver talent, Tyler Johnson's ready for prime time, right? They could easily find young talent. There's, there's deeply seated uh, wide receivers that they're saying could go in the third, fourth, even the fifth rounds yeah, out of this draft. And, and let's not forget, Scotty Miller replaced Antonio Brown on several of those go routes 
that were designed for Antonio Brown and scored on those. So keep in mind, Scotty Miller is one fast mofo. And you've even got Jaden Mickens, right? And you got Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, Jaden Mickens. You've got the talent. Yeah, why, why have to throw yourself? Don't bow down to Antonio. Because right now, what is it? Antonio Brown is basically, he has an offer from the Bucs. The Bucs aren't moving. Antonio Brown's saying, um, you going to sign me? And they're like, well, yeah, if you take this offer. And I don't like that offer. So, I mean, come on, man. Bucks are they're they're ready to play ball. They they've offered it to you. They're saying, I want you back. But I'm offering it probably an incentive-laden type contract and probably not as much guaranteed. That's probably what they're offering. And Brown doesn't like that. So Brown's either going to find out that he does he is not needed elsewhere or not wanted elsewhere, and he's gonna have to take it. It's gonna be forced, or the Bucks are just gonna say, you know what, I'm pulling, I'm I'm resending it and I'm gonna move on. This is episode three of Season three of the Bucks Nation flagship podcast. I'm Jason Curtis. I'm sitting alongside Chris Schoenherr. We are talking about what have we talked about, Chris? We've talked about the 17 game ex- extension. We have talked about Peter Schrager's NFL mock draft. Some exciting things obviously happening already in the offseason. This is turning out to be one of the most dynamic offseasons so far pre-draft. We're not even we're not even through the draft yet. We don't even know how these teams are shaping up. I'm very excited about what the next couple of weeks pan out for us. But before we wrap up, I want to go ahead and talk about some new league rule proposals that are coming out of the next owners meeting that are that's, uh, set to happen within the next few weeks. So let's touch on a couple of these. The first one that you wanted to touch on was about this cutting rule. Uh, let, let's talk about it. So this is the, the competition committee wants to amend and I'm going to do the, the legal stuff, and Chris is going to kind of take it from there. The competition committee wants to amend Rule 12, Section 2, Article 4, to expand the prohibition on blocking below the waist by offensive and defensive players. Chris, take it from here. So my understanding of this rule is they're really just trying to bring the cut rule, which is, you know, a lineman or tight end or, you know, a DB, anybody really, going at the ankles or the lower legs of another player as sort of a substitute for a block. You're getting the guy out of the way by just putting him on the ground. And, and looking at the NFL, you see a lot of this on screens and stuff. You see linemen pulling out and a faster corner sitting in the way, and they'll just boop, dive right at their ankles, cut them, and the running back can go right around them. But I think what this rule is saying is that it's really trying to bring it back to the way that high school runs it, at least when I was playing, where you have to keep those, you know, below the below the waist blocks at with within the five right. yards of the line of scrimmage on either side, and you can't go outside of the tackle box more than two yards. So I think this is going to change the game a, a little bit, if not if not you know more than that. You know, you're not going to have DBs cutting these linemen on on toss plays anymore, trying to like make a pile so that those guys, the running backs, get get caught up. You know, so I think we might see some more tosses potentially, maybe some more, you know, reverses, stuff like that, where, where DBs no longer can cut on the outside and maybe uh, less efficient screens, depending on, on how, you know, linemen decide to, to take those blocks going forward. Yeah, I think it was definitely the screens that you mentioned that, that caught my eye. But I think definitely on the outside when, you know, you have wide receivers and you've got these skilled positions that don't necessarily learn how to block properly but yet they're expected to block. And so what do they do? They, they do any last ditch effort and they go after the knees, right? They try to chop you down mm-hmm. and they do the chop blocks, which is, so it'll be, a, yeah, it'll be interesting to say. So what's the penalty? What's the penalty if you get caught outside of the five and uh, cut someone at the knees? So I think it would probably be, I don't know if I saw exactly what they were you know, proposing for that, but I would think it would probably be a 15-yarder, sort of like the high-low penalty that they, they have in there. The, Automatic uh, first down, maybe? Maybe if it's, uh, if it's the defense doing it, um, maybe uh, could be a 15-yard and, and an automatic first, kind of, yeah. kind of like a personal foul thing, I guess. You know, on offense, maybe a 10 to 15-yard, like a holding or a clipping penalty, um, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know if uh, I think it's good for the game. I think it's it's good from a safety perspective. It kind of goes along with that 17th game. A lot of the players are saying that, um, you know, hey, it's just an extra game where we can get hurt. And, you know, this is my life. Right. I mean, where, you know, I'm throwing myself out at the game all the time. So, you know what? They are trying to make it safer. 
little bit at a time. So yeah, I mean, follow these rules and, and hopefully the game does get a little bit safer. And obviously we've seen that with the head, the, you know, the spearing type of rules that were put in place. We've seen a lot of improvements there over the past two years, since those have been put in place, the whole protection of the quarterback. So I think this is a safety rule. And I really do like this um, just from that aspect, because it keeps the game safer and you shouldn't be going after someone's knees for anybody that's played football. I mean, Come on, man. I mean, don't go after the knees. I mean, you stick them in the gut. You know, what do they always tell you? Because you played football, right? What mm-hmm. do they always tell you? Hit the numbers. You hit the numbers. Hands to the chest. Hit the numbers. Hands to the chest, right? Never to the head or anything else like that. And square up. That's what you do. Feet wide. Get that firm stance and go for the numbers, whether it's at the chest or at the, you know, right there in the midsection part, right? You, you don't go any lower than that, right? So it's just a safety thing. So let's talk about this next one. So Baltimore Ravens, they propose one. So if you guys don't know, the teams actually can propose these rule changes. Some are pretty ridiculous and some are actually really smart. And some are because a sp- so the Saints are the ones that propose that interception rule. You remember that, Chris? Mm-hmm. The, oh, yeah. The pass interference rule, right? That happened, what, two or three years ago, where if they got called pass interference, it would have changed the total dynamic of the game. And I'll tell you, crap. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, they are asking to amend Rule 16, Section 1 to change the options for winner of an overtime coin toss. They want to eliminate sudden death format and eliminate the overtime in the preseason. This is one of those rules that kind of sits on the ridiculous side because I kind of like the way that they formulated the overtime rules with the back and forth kind of very semi-college level Mm -hmm. i like it because it gives both teams a chance at least at least you can't win from a 40 yard field goal kind of thing but this one's kind of teetering on a little bit of ridiculousness so so tell us about it yeah so i was looking into that a bit more because because in the in the little thing it just says the rule that they're trying to amend here but then you read a little bit deeper and you see that they're trying to put in a spot and choose system and what i mean by that is One team, I'm not sure if it's the home or the away team, probably the away team, will get to pick the yard line. And then the opposing team will pick the ball, who gets the ball, either on offense or defense. So, you know, you get a team, they're coming in, and they'll say, we want to start at the 10-yard line. And then the other team will say, well, then we're going to take the ball. So you're really trying to take away that advantage. You know, so now you have both teams being a part of the decision-making into making it more fair in the overtime because if you look at the coin toss that thing needs to go i mean usually whoever wins the coin toss wins the game it's been a statistic that's been around for a long time and it you know it does need to change but i don't know about this one did the baltimore ravens get their i mean what what did they get hurt during one scene the time because of overtime or did they i i i don't remember a time obviously not following the ravens very closely but i wonder if something happened to them that that they're sitting there crying over their Cheerios over this. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not sure what the Ravens would happen to them, um, but they obviously got hurt somewhere down the line. <laughs> they're looking to make a change. It's it's yeah. I mean, they're probably just crying just because they can't put a damn team together anymore. I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I offer many opinions on this one. I, I don't like. And now you've turned this into a sandlot football game. Now it's like, oh, you picked that. Okay, well, I'm going to take the ball and we're going to play ball. Let's play football. Are you ready? Let's do overtime. Come on, man. This is a man's game. I mean, come on. I mean, yes, the coin toss. How do you do it better? You know what? Go to the college rule then. Everyone starts at what? The 25-yard line and you push it in. You score. The other team gets a chance. Go to the college rule. I'm good with that. College rule is beautiful. I don't know why. The college rule is phenomenal. And I, yeah, I don't understand it either. I mean, you play, I mean, every player that's playing right now knows the college rule and they could easily fit that system. And every college, or excuse me, every coach knows that college way of playing because they probably started their career uh, playing for the lower levels, right? So Mm -hmm. the, the college rule probably makes the most sense here. I think they should probably take advantage of this proposal to potentially maybe change it to that or tell them the pound sand. I don't know (laughs) either one, but do not go with this. Eliminate the sudden death format. 
uh, whatsoever. Now, now, does this also so the eliminate sudden death format? Does it also eliminate ties? Meaning, you know, you, you no one scores, so then it ends up a tie after that overtime period, or does that remain? Yeah, I think that that's what the NFL has been doing already. They they lowered the amount of time in overtime from 15 minute to 10 minute. Um, and I think, you know, at the end of that period, it's probably just going to end in a tie if it does happen yeah. that way, if nobody scores. They should go to the point system like the NHL. As, you know, if, if you get a if, if you're in the I don't know if, if you are going into overtime, then you get half a point versus a full point for winning the game kind of thing. So you should at least get some credit for semi winning the game. <laughs> yeah, I like but they the, have so many games in hockey. <laughs> I know I get it. And it's all very close sometimes. And it's all based on points instead of scores and all that stuff. And yeah, 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 no, I totally get it. So let's talk about this last one. This last one's really intriguing. And this one caught a lot of fans attention because the players are starting to come out and they're like, yo, can I have the number one Jersey? Can I have the number 55 Jersey? And they're like, Hey, my boy used to be number 37. Can I have 37? Now they may actually have an opportunity to play in much different Jersey numbers. So the Kansas city chiefs are looking to amend rule five, section one, article two, to expand Jersey number options for certain positions. So this one was, uh, pretty interesting. So I'm going to run through this. And Chris, I want your thoughts on each one. So the league's new number ranges will be as followed per Peter King of Sports Illustrated. Quarterback, punter, and kicker will be 1 through 19. What do you think? Fine by me. Yeah. They can, they can keep those numbers. <laughs> pretty, pretty similar to what it is today, right? Um, mm-hmm. Running back. This is where things get interesting because traditionally – I think it was somewhere around 20 to 40. I think it was, right? 20 to 49. Yeah, 20 to 49. Okay, so running backs get one through 49. (laughs) And there was a meme out there. It showed uh, Derrick Henry in a number two jersey. Uh, It showed Aaron, um, Aaron Jones in like a number eight jersey. It was kind of interesting. But running backs are one through 49 and 80 through 89. So wide receiver category jerseys. And yeah, I don't want to see any running backs running around in a 80 to 89. That's a pretty ugly number in my opinion. <laughs> you know? That was weird I, yeah. to me. I don't know what that, I don't, maybe because now they're pass catching running backs and it's become more I mean, status quo. Maybe like Ty Montgomery, cause he was a running back, but he was a wide receiver, but then right. he running back and he's number 88 and they just had to leave it. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think you got to keep those 80s for the tight ends and the wide receivers, to be honest with you. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Defensive backs, one through 49. I don't know about the lower numbers for defensive backs, but what do you think? Hey, more fun for them. I mean, you know, a lot of these guys played with those numbers in college and has a little bit of nostalgia for them. And, you know, I think I think that it it could look pretty nice out there. You know, I, I guess we can't really know until we see it, but you yeah. know, if they like it. They like it. Not not too big of a deal, right? I think I think where I get a little personal interaction with is the linebacker position. That's what I played when I was in uh, when I was in high school. And uh, you can actually be one through fifty nine. Now I'm used to being anywhere between thirties and forties. So I think I was number forty five. I was number thirty six. I was number thirty nine. So I was like either mid to high thirties or right in the middle with like uh, forty five. I think was a number that I had one year. But linebackers are now one through 59 and also 90 through 99. So we're looking at lineman numbers. Yeah, I don't I don't like the 90s. You know, I, I personally, when I was in high school, I was number 55. I was a linebacker and lineman, you know, a little mix there. And I love the 50s for linebackers. I love the 40s. Um, I I had a lot of my teammates you know, my other like linebackers and stuff, they would, they would wear number five or number four, number six and stuff like that. And I'm looking at that and I, you know, I kind of got used to it after a while, but it would take me a lot to get used to seeing somebody like Levante David busting out the number four that he wore at Nebraska. I think it was number four. Um, You know, be a little odd seeing that. I, I like the segmentation that it has today for the simple fact of, uh, you could kind of tell what position that they are, right? And 
in in this next level in the NFL, with the exception of I, I, I will say three positions and I'm going to say the running backs actually in this one, even though, you know, you, you, you kind of get that the, the 20s are, you know, known for running back, you know, obviously Emmett Smith, 22, and you got several there, uh, you know, sitting around that area. But what I'm saying is, you know, you kind of have that segmentation where you kind of know, like if you're an 88, you know, you're, you're a wide receiver, you know, I mean, you know, that's, uh, and you can associate that with historical numbers like 88. That's Michael Irvin, man. Like, you know, you can associate with that. Right. And you mm-hmm. hear 12 and you're like, Tom Brady, man, that's quarterback numbers. Right. And you hear number three and you're like, Jameis Winston, or you think number, that's all I'm saying. Like number nine, that's Drew Brees. So you, you kind of have these, the, this historic, reference to it i guess in in one way so in the other like if i see a linebacker if i see like like levante um uh david wearing a 99 jersey and and then all of a sudden i'm clicking on i'm like well that's warren sap right so that's a defensive lineman so i'm like thinking these i'm not clicking it you know what i'm saying it's it's like a completely i would not buy that jersey let me tell you Yeah, but, you know, it's just one of those things like it just doesn't jive, I guess, in that way. Offensive linemen will stick around between 50 to 79. So they're dropping their numbers a little bit. And then the last one is defensive linemen will also be 50 through 79, but they will also have 90 through 99, which isn't far off from what they are today. But dropping down to 50 for the linemen, I thought that was. Well, I think uh, they're still there, right? Because Vita Vey is 50. Oh, are they? Oh, OK. Well, then that yeah, doesn't change. Key- nachos 56 yeah that's I think right these are, are good for linemen for oh sport. shit okay yeah you're right holy cow yeah i'm not even putting those together but that's uh that's what they're saying here the linebacker seems to be a drastic change adding the yeah, lower numbers and the higher numbers and i think the running back seems to be uh the biggest one they didn't say anything about wide receivers here they're not saying anything about wide receivers about any changes uh with what they're seeing with the wide receiver numbers i'm, I'm assuming those will probably stay within the oh no it does say so the rule change proposed to the chiefs and i'm reading this off sports illustrated would allow running backs tight ends and wide receivers to wear any number from one to 49 as well as 80 to 89 so that does include wide receivers wow there's going to be a lot of wide receivers wanting number one (laughs) yeah for sure number one number three number two probably a big one as well yep absolutely yeah that's that's probably the biggest takeaway i'd say is you know what they were saying what their their numbers could be right because they want to go back to their college numbers or mm-hmm. or something along those lines but i don't know and at this at this point those numbers aren't getting a lot of love you know <laughs> now that now now they'll start having that out there for those guys you know and the nfl will probably make some more more change on this too with the jersey sales that's true that's a good point so then it turns out to be almost like uh you know win-win so the players get to have their pick and they get to I heard Keyshawn Vaughn just changed his number. Did oh, you hear about that? No, I didn't hear that. Uh, I am pulling this up. Yeah, Keyshawn Vaughn uh, has changed his number from number 30, which he wore through his entire rookie season, to number 21. Um, Yeah, it's just, it, yeah, that's what they just listed him as, number 21 on the team's website. So, He's officially changed his number uh, on the Buccaneers roster from 30. Hey, to let's 21. hope that number change gives him some hands. You know, I wonder, I wonder, <laughs> I, you know, and I wonder if that's somehow maybe indicative to, you know, Hey, I want you to play a bigger role. And it's like, Hey, if I'm going to play a bigger role, I need to have this number. I wonder what number 21 has, you know, does it have any significance? To I don't know about Tampa Bay, uh, but I know that like, I feel like, I can't think of any number 21s on top of my head now that I think about it. LT um, is the big one. But, you know, outside of that, racking my brain looking. Yeah, well, so, it, it, yeah, you're right. I mean, it allowed the players to kind of be free to change their jersey the way that they want to a little bit. Um, helps get more jersey sales. Obviously, then they're going to want their new number. Fans are going to want it. Um, I don't know. It, that's just for me is it, it, I'm so indifferent to this rule. I think that there is a pros cons across the board. And I think we're actually spending probably a little bit more time than we needed to on this, but I think it's just a fun topic to talk about. 
I mean, hey, this is a big one. Anytime anything involving any jerseys is talked about in the NFL world, fans go nuts. That will wrap it up for episode three of the Bucks Nation flagship podcast. Really appreciate you guys jumping on for this one. You can find me on Twitter at JC Bucks Nation and the show at Bucks Nation Pod. And you can find me, Chris Schoenherr, at Cynical Bucks Fan. And don't forget to check out all of our written articles at BucksNation.com, where all of the writers bring you the best in Buccaneers headlines and storylines. Stay tuned in each week as we continue to bring you views from all different directions from Bucks coverage, news across the NFL, fantasy football, and from you, Bucks Nation. Don't forget to submit a question or make a shout out in our new mailbag by shooting us an email at BucksNationPodcast at gmail.com. That's BucksNationPodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a name and a message and we'll get it up in the air in an upcoming show. Leave us a review on Apple iHeartRadio or wherever you download and stream the Bucks Nation Podcast channel. Until next time, wave your flags high and fire the cannons. I ain't politicking, I ain't kissing no baby. The devil on my doorstep being so shady. Mm, don't trip. We don't gotta let him in. Don't trip.